Hello and welcome to LPO Offstage. I'm Yolanda Brown and this is the podcast where we explore the world of classical music and what goes on behind the scenes of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Today we're going deep into the music of Wagner and specifically The Ring Cycle, his collection of four monumental operas, Das Rheingold, Die Valkyrie, Siegfried and Gotterdammerung. Now, even if you haven't seen these live, you're probably aware that these are absolute behemoths of the opera house with heroism, love, death, gigantic orchestras and big tunes that need very big voices. So today I'm glad to say that I'm being guided on this epic saga by real experts. Bass Brindley Sherratt is singing Hagen in Gotterdammerung with the LPO this April and violinist Fiona Hyam and trombonist Dave Whitehouse have got just the kind of metal and stamina that this music calls for. Welcome to you all and thanks so much for joining me on LPO Offstage, backstage here at the Royal Festival Hall. You might hear some rehearsals going on and some things going up and down the corridors, but it's very, very real. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this podcast is usually under an hour long and The Complete Ring takes hours and hours to perform. So we've got a lot of ground to cover today. But let me start by asking you, what comes to mind when I say to you, The Ring? Brindley, can I ask you first? I always feel, as a singer, that every phrase has an exclamation mark at the end of it. Because he's text led, he wrote his own texts. So therefore, everything you say has to be done with intensity and with purpose. You, there are no throwaway lines. How about yourself, Dave? Well, the first time I encountered Wagner was at college when it was brought to our attention by one of our lecturers. Mm -hmm. And uh, his main point about it was it's very difficult to switch off as there are no cadences or you can wait half an hour for a cadence and it just keeps going and going and going. Bear in mind this is the the late 80s when I was at college. He kept going up to the the record player going, no, can't turn it off yet. And then, (laughs) no, can't turn it off. And anyway, he he eventually had to fade it down and make the point that there are no cadences until there is one and then it's, yeah, and then it's a big sort of... (sighs) Is that the same for the audience when, when they're listening and, and you're playing? It's almost like you want to catch your breath, but you just can't. You, you're held on the edge of your seat. I've never been in the audience, but I can only imagine that it probably is. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Fiona, how about for you? Well, I think I would echo a little bit what Brindley just said in that from a violinist point of view, there are no irrelevant notes, rather like the text as well. Every note and every rest is so full of meaning and so important but it's also an incredibly long journey. And once you sort of get on it, get on board, you're on for the ride, you know, and there's no getting off, basically. You you have to be 100% focused in on it and it carries you along. Mm. And my first experience of playing a Wagner opera in its entirety was Tristan at Glyndebourne. And it was just the most amazing experience, I have to say, because it's such a long piece, obviously, it's the stamina is incredible, but from the dress rehearsal on, it suddenly felt like it took no time at all. And every act that was about an hour and a half felt like 10 minutes. Wow. And I came out at the end on such a high that I had full of energy to go and do something else, you know. And I was amazed at that because I thought, surely I should feel really tired. But yeah. it's an extraordinary extraordinary experience being playing or singing Wagner I think. It feels shorter when you're doing it 
than when you're watching it. <laughs> I, I was made to, uh, to Parsifal quite a few times. That's also a five-hour evening. And that when I've watched Parsifal, I think, my God, this... <laughs> but when you're doing it, it flies by. I've experienced that. You think, oh, we're there already. And it, it, it is, it, it's quite intoxicating, I think. Mm. There really is nothing like it. And you see people almost sort of, not floating, literally, but you're coming out of the interval and thinking, yeah. we've just been in another world. Well, I want to delve into that world a bit yeah. more. And, you know, for the uninitiated or people new to Wagner's music, we hear about the ring cycle. What, what is it? And can you give me a top line of the story that sort of goes across uh, all of the operas? You're looking at me. I am. I know, because I know here I'm going to fall. The ring, which yeah. gives, like, very much like in the Tolkien story, gives immense power. They, all these people want the ring. In uh, Rheingold's, uh, Fafner wants the ring and turns him into a dragon. It appears in each one, and this ring has immense power, and it's people, uh, people wanting to get hold of this thing. And it sometimes it doesn't do them very good at all, very much like the Tolkien. It really helps. And, and as you say, mm. the ring takes each of the characters on a journey. Yes. And you're about to embark on this journey yeah. as yeah. Hagen. Yes. So can you tell me a bit more about the character Hagen? And also, what does it mean physically? Um, Hagen has a line where he says, my blood runs cold. He's, because um, somebody says to him, why are you not happy? He says, I don't do happy. I hate happiness. He's that kind of character. So, um, but he's a manipulator. Mm. He's a liar. He has this one goal in mind and he'll do anything to get it. But, and also vocally, it, it actually says Schwarzabass at the beginning, which means literally a black voiced bass. Oh, wow. Which is very dark. Uh, color that's and that's fine if you're a shots of us like I am that's great but he also writes at extreme of the bass range very 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 high you're talking two and a half octaves you know two over two octaves easily and very very high and very declamatory and um but there are also wonderful sardonic moments in it too but it's physically incredibly demanding and it, because I've not done it before it's there's a huge risk involved in this you know <laughs> and uh, and and Court Mall is famous for saying the, oh, it's it's you can wreck your voicing in this role. It's 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 for a shouty bass. It's and, and I I had a long chat with John Tomlinson about this, who's done many Hagen's. He's very famous Hagen. He said, "No, you just sing it." <laughs> uh, and and, and it, if you know what you're doing, you can get round it that way. But it is a kind of oh, here we go. Hope I make it to the end kind of role. For real? Oh, yeah. well, to hear that from you and to know that you're going to be embarking on this amazing performance. Yeah. We fully support you. I know it's going to be a Thank fantastic you. ride. Tell me about what you're prepping now. You know, no. this is for for this. How long is the performance going to be? It'll Well, with intervals, it's getting on for six hours, wow. I think. This is the longest of all of the operas in the ring cycle. Yes. I'm prepping by doing a lot of listening to people who had done it many more times than I have. So listen to lots of old recordings. I like to listen to the old Germans singing it and the way they do it because it's also very helpful for me for the way that they colour the text. Mm -hmm. And also I'm not trying to memorise it yet. I'm just trying to sing it and sing it and sing it so that I can get the character into my body. And it, we, singers, we like to say we, I'm trying to get it into my voice, into mm. my body, so the muscles know what's coming up. And, and a lot of that can happen subconsciously as you get to know, like Fiona will say this, and um, maybe that you... you 
you're playing an instrument or you're singing, but it's it, you need to know it in your body so you know what the next bit that's coming up. You're preparing yourself mentally and physically yes. to do that section. Well, you only get that by repetition. So when yeah. you're learning these enormous roles, yes. is it just the repetition or do you have to consciously think, I must learn this bit? Uh, it's a bit of both, mm -hmm. I find, but I, I've learned that... It's what you can do, if you, especially if you've left it a bit late to memorise. <laughs> you think, heck, is this, well, we only have 12 days rehearsal for this, 13 days, whatever, which is quite short for a six-hour opera, five-hour opera. So I, I, don't, I normally, if I'm doing a long roll like this, so for the first time, you'd want six weeks rehearsal to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of, doesn't matter, I've done a scene where I forgot everything, it's okay, it doesn't matter, I've got another three weeks, four weeks, whatever. If you've got a matter of days, that adds a lot of pressure. So that's my process, is just Ooh. to listen to other people doing it and then sing it over and over again. I think we've only got about six or seven days rehearsal, I think. Yeah. I mean, I haven't looked that deeply at the show. And we've got the music. You've got the music, so yeah. You've and we don't, absolutely we don't have the music. I've had the music yeah. for four years. I've only just started to really take a deep dive into it yeah. and try and start preparing it. And like Brindy says... It takes a long time because you have to keep on going on and on, over and over, doing it, and because it has to be muscle memory in the end. You can't be reading every note, and you have to... I, I listen to a lot of recordings and play with them as much as I can. Yes. But it is so all-encompassing in terms of for string players. I mean, this Wagner is really difficult. It's really, really hard mm. technically to play. So you have to kind of get the technical difficulties out of the way first and then you have to just be able to know what's coming and be ready for it and be ready to yeah. hear yeah. What, what's coming before because it's also hard, easy to get lost yeah. in the score totally. it's such a big score yeah. yeah you know so I find myself going back and back and back and in terms of just stamina I mean we do get bars rests in in the ring the string players although they play a lot more than the wind players a lot of the time yeah. a lot more notes we do get bars rests every now and then but personally I started playing the ring when we started the LPO, started playing it six years ago. Yeah. And at the same time, coincidentally, I started lifting weights. Physical weights? Physical weights with a personal trainer. And I have to say, it, it really helped me because in terms of just sheer strength in yes. your arms and shoulders. Well, when we're talking about stamina, it, it is that. It's physical strength, mental strength, it, all of it combined together. Yeah. And I'm intrigued for the, the horn players. I mean, Wagner loves his brass. He loves that big sound. Six hours on the chops. To How is that well, working for you, Dave? Six hours on the chops <laughs> is actually probably about half an hour on the chops over the whole... Oh, is it really? That's yeah, okay. It's, but they're, they're yeah, important lines. You might get a, a couple of moments of, of quite intense playing, but nothing, you know, it's, it's a, we, we do the occasional sprint rather than a marathon. Uh -huh. you know. I was wondering if, if ever you, like, have an arrangement with the other desks do you like so I'm going to take these bars off and then well, just, do you ever rotate it slightly in that way or? we don't but mm. Vladimir has done something like that mm. in previous 
operas in the ring mm. that we've done so far. And do different people get different rests at different times? Or is it the same people who get to... it's pretty much the same. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, <laughs> Everyone's yeah. only in the same bucket. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in terms of the rehearsal then, so you said sort of a week's rehearsal. What do those rehearsals look like? Because a lot of individual prep, hopefully, has gone on behind the scenes. And then when you're all there together, you're finding out about tempo, you're finding out about what the conductor wants. How do those rehearsals run? And are they stressful? Are they calm? Well, they can be stressful, yeah, but also you have to realise that the conductor at that point is trying to pull everything together and it's such a huge orchestra, so many singers, and so you have to be very aware of the fact you're only a small cog in this whole huge machine. However much you might have been practising your part and feeling it's very important, when it comes to it, you know, you're just going to have to slot in where necessary, you yes. know, really, and sort of be prepared to take a back seat a lot of the time when just rehearsing other things. And with this particular performance as well, though, there must be a lot of undercurrent of excitement because obviously this project started six years ago working with Vladimir Yurovsky. But to know that you are coming to complete the ring, this is a, a big accomplishment. It's very exciting for, for yeah. me, I have to say, because, I mean, not that I'm about to leave the orchestra, but I'm coming to the point in my career when I probably won't play the ring again. And it would have been very sad for me if I had never completed it. Um, you say you've never done Gitter Dameron either. No, I haven't. I came to Wagner and doing the ring very late. I didn't do the ring cycle in its entirety until, what, five years ago, six years ago. Ah. So my Wagner journey is relatively recent. But now probably 60% of my diary is Wagner now from here really? on. So it's suddenly... I mean, I don't mind that at all because I feel I can sing it now. There were many years when I tried, I just couldn't do it. Isn't it Why? the case that, I'm sorry, I'm just yeah. curious, yeah, but isn't it the case that it's not many young singers cannot really sing You Wagner? shouldn't really, because even though the, a young singer might actually have a great voice for Wagner, they may have the power that's necessary, they may have even the stamina that's necessary, but it's, it's actually sustaining that A over a, a five-hour evening, but also over a six-week rehearsal period. Mm, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Mm. And how does Wagner write for your instrument? How do you feel it fits into this mammoth of a jigsaw? Well, I should explain, first of all, what my instrument is, because whilst I am a trombone player in Wagner, I will be playing the bass trumpet. So, and that usually falls to a trombonist because the mouthpiece required is, is a trombone-sized Right. I may even have touched on on a previous I think podcast. We did. I remember, the, yeah. yeah. So I won't be playing the funny baritone thingy, but I will be playing the bass trumpet. And it's pitched in C. It's almost as, as long as a trombone, not quite as long as a trombone, but it's much more tightly wrapped and it has a much smaller bore. Right. Um, and the bass trumpet in particular sits kind of in the middle of the brass section, and it just gives is a little bit of a bridge between all the different sections. Actually, right. it's quite a special role. And you also um, can sometimes sit there for. 30 minutes or so, and then have to come in with a really exposed solo. So whilst it's not, you know, stamina-wise, um, you're not playing away, you know, all night, but there are other other things that you're are... Exposed. Quite exposed, <laughs> yeah. It can be quite um, tricky. And also on an instrument, the bass trumpet, it, it behaves itself up to a point that all of a sudden it can just turn on you, and if the tuning is a, is a nightmare, the pitching is a nightmare, the, the articulation's a nightmare... Um, so, um, yeah, what's the question again? Yeah. <laughs> I've 
feel for you. I, I honestly, I just, well, how does how does like a bit of a therapy, therapy session for the ba- for base jumpers? Isn't it? I'm, just like, I'm here for all of you. I really yeah. am. Yeah. How does Wagner use it? You know, and and what do you think he was aware of all of those challenges that you face? Uh, yeah, so the bass drum bit in particular, probably not. In fact, I mean, it was a it was a fairly niche instrument back then, and it's never become mainstream at all. Now it's still very niche. It's largely you find in a, in a lot of Wagner, uh, some some Janicek and, and a few other pieces. But wasn't there it, one not... of the most extraordinary things about Wagner that he actually invented instruments to play yeah. his music? If he couldn't find the right sound, he just invented mm, just an instrument. It, yeah, <laughs> and then I'm not sure if the, the bass trumpet was already in existence. But but if if he was the main driver to, to yeah, having it invented, then then I wouldn't be surprised. You know, mm. yeah, like absolutely. the Wagner tubers. Wagner yeah. What about the strings? You were talking about technique and the way that you would have to sort of school your body to get to get ready for all of the different things he's asking of you. How does he use the strings? Well, he really makes them work very hard. I mean, we can have uh, often enormous pages and pages of arpeggios. Mm -hmm. And the extraordinary thing about Wagner compared to a lot of other composers is the chromaticism because it's mostly written in the most extraordinary keys. You know, suddenly you've got sort of five sharps, six sharps, six flats. One of the things you have to get used to, I think, as a string player when you're playing Wagner is, or approaching it for the first time, is playing enharmonically. So in a way, you're doing your fingering it in a way that's not immediately what you would think looking at the key, but it's actually kind of written in another key, fingering-wise. I can't explain exactly what... And enharmonic means using another note for the note that's written. Well, I mean, the same note, but it's fingered, fingered in a different in way. A different way, yes. And once you kind of crack that, it's kind of like cracking the code. And if you struggle to play it in, a, in another way, then you'd just be struggling endlessly. Yes. You know? But it immediately becomes easier. It is, like I say, like a code ah. that you have to crack. Do you think he was aware of this? He was a very clever person, I mean, was, yeah. uh, by all accounts, a genius yeah. in yeah. many ways. I don't know whether he was a very nice person from what I've read, but he was a genius, yeah. undoubtedly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say that yeah. something you said earlier about um, coming at Wagner at an older age. Yeah. You know, It's also true as a string blower, as an orchestral musician, you you learn how to not kill yourself in terms of trying to put so much energy into every single phrase because you cannot do that in Wagner otherwise you will literally just collapse after the first act so again you have to develop a sort of intelligence about how you use your energy Mm. and know when to just sit back and relax and and not be on the edge of your seat trying to play. I discovered that even this morning singing some bits of Hagen that it was going fine. Then I tried, I just started adding a little bit more to it. I said, come on, you know, you're going to make this intense. And then I thought, oh, don't do that. It's because I was much more tired at the end of the scene than I mean, it's rather than say, no, don't go pedal to the metal now. It's very tempting. And I know I'm going to be tempted in the festival hall with you lot behind me. I'm going to bull my head off. <laughs> and then suddenly get to a point and think, oh, because <laughs> once it's, it, you just take a slightly wrong turn, that's about knowing what you're doing and being disciplined. Always. Balance is always yeah. Yeah. with a Wagner orchestra mm. for the singers is a yeah. huge issue. It is, yeah. And of course, when we played uh, Tristan just post pandemic on the stage mm. at Glyndebourne, yeah. yeah. actually, I have to say for us, it was really wonderful 
but I don't think it was probably that easy for the singers. No, and I, you know, I did some of them. Um, I had to jump in and do some of them, and it was the, that for me was the first thing I'd done after the pandemic. Yes. And uh, even though I sort of kept my voice going during the pandemic and sort of bit, I'd not been on stage. I had not sung anything so difficult and strenuous for, for a year and a half. Yeah, it makes so it my, I have never felt so discombobulated. My, I felt my legs had gone. I had not dealt with adrenaline. I'd lost all my vocal stamina. I really struggled with it. You know, it was because uh, we were. I was not match fit. I think probably all of us were then. That yeah. same with you, singers, performers, live performers, dancers. Just like we'd, we'd not dealt with adrenaline for a year and a half. We yeah. hadn't done anything. Uh, we practiced at home, doing a few things, but not been on stage with an audience, yes. lights. And the orchestra was like so loud. My voice felt so tiny after singing in my living room. Yeah. And as a performer then, and I'll, I'll ask you each in turn, how does that semi-staged format compare to a fully staged version? Play, playing in the pit, can, it can really give you a complex about your playing because you don't sound great ever in a pit. You know, people say it sounds wonderful out in the auditorium, but the, the actual feedback you get from your own sound, it just, you know, it sounds really, really dead and you hear all the little articulation bits that are going on that yeah. coming out of your bell and, and it's bouncing off the, the pit because we're in Blindborn, we're right underneath the stage, right at the back wall. And to us, it sounds, or it can sound, a little bit disheartening. But you've got to just trust that when it when the sound gets out into the auditorium, then it, it sounds good. But at least in the festival hall, we, we get some good instant feedback on our on our own sound and our own abilities. Amazing. I'll Ooh. give you the stage. They're lovely. Fiona, for you. I think it's hard to balance a semi-stage performance. Mm-hmm. I would say it's probably very hard. Where do you put the singers? Do you put them behind or do you put them in front? Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's different. It's much easier to balance. I, I don't know what you think, but I, I would have thought... From the point of view of balancing orchestra and singers, semi-stage performances are that much harder. They are from a balanced point of view. It is nice to... I could say some positive things and negatives. One is, I think, generally, whenever we've done them, we've done, we've done lots of different operas, but it's always incredibly successful mm. uh, because we're all in it together. Yeah. Mm. And also, the audience can see the brass instruments getting ready and everything, and you can see the strings and the bowls going back. You, it's a very visceral, visual thing, which they don't normally see. So I would say, generally, I think they're always incredibly impactful, just as impactful as a stage performance. And the good thing about it, sometimes you haven't got some very strange set or costume or wigs that distract you. think, what on earth is she wearing? I would say, as a singer, what I do miss is the depth of the stage to work with. Because you're working in, maybe you have... If you're lucky, you get two meters. Absolutely. It's less than that usually. And you kind of wander at the side and you really can't do, there's no depth. So I can't, can't do diagonals. You have to go out front, otherwise yes, you're toast. Ahead. And what's tempting is if a singer's having a conversation with another singer, you, you turn side stage to sing to them, but then the audience have lost you. That, that's the downside of doing opera. It's uh-huh. just relating to one another. If you're just singing a big scene or a big aria, you just come down front, park and bark. It's great. Yes, yes. Having said that, it's a bit cheaper to do than a full production. So let's just do more of them. I, I, <laughs> let's get it out there and get Let it done. You know, and I, 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 I think it's still always a thrill. Well, the reason why I saved you to last, Bridley, is because there is the added element of costume. Yeah. And what do you prefer? I mean, you've you've spoken a little bit about your process where you're just you and the piano. Yeah. 
working it through, you know what your voice feels like. You've got rehearsals with the orchestra, you're starting to feel the room, you yeah. can feel it. Then you want to add a scratchy wig and some yeah. tight yeah. A, a tight jacket and all of how you used to feel in your body yeah, surely great. must change. How do yeah. you deal with that? It's really tough sometimes. I don't think it'd be an issue so much here because I think the costumes for the other ones that we've done at The Ring have been very simple. Okay. You know? But if you're doing, I mean, I did something in New York over Christmas, uh, Magic Flute production, the costume weighed about the same as a reasonably priced car. Oh my God. Uh, uh, and it was just immense. And not only that, it also soaked up the sound around me. So it was like singing into an airing cupboard. It, it was just a terrible experience. And I've done some with these great bulky costumes. It's quite exhausting yeah. just getting to the stage and I can't stand anything. Our singers don't like anything around our necks. You know, yeah. kind of, you want to get away from the neck oh. area. And wigs, hats are a nightmare. Particularly for basses, we don't like it. You think, I sound terrible. Yeah. And it, sometimes a hat can do that or a heavy costume. So yeah. uh, shoes, you have to have a good pair of shoes for Wagner. That was, was a famous soprano said that, Wagner and soprano. You need a good pair of shoes for soprano. As in comfortable? As in yeah, comfortable. Because you're standing and you're on your feet a lot. So I mean, even if you're not singing. I'm on stage for this opera. I'm singing a lot, but I'm also, there's a lot of proof. And I'm on stage just listening. Yeah. For pages and pages and pages. He has to be there. And then he just says, two bars of saying, yes, that was very good, wasn't it? And then he has another three pages off. So I have to listen. You're just stunning all night. So you need a good pair of shoes. Gosh, Fiona, you, you really put a good argument with the whole strings and the technique, but I'm leaning on this side of the table now. I feel for you, Ridley. This is no, amazing. No, no. <laughs> and, you know, dressing, dressing up's always fun. Well, this brings me nicely to the audience. We've spoken mm. about your stamina, your preparation. Six hours, how how should the audience approach it and how do they approach it? Do you ever feel them? You can see them. Do you ever feel them sort of losing losing consciousness or are they in it the whole way through? How do they react? I noticed in uh, Singers when we did it at Glyndebourne, we play the overture and then we can get, nip out the pit for half an hour, basically, and we come back in. And um, I wish I knew a little bit more about what was actually going on on stage with this one bit where all the lights come on and there's a huge scene, there are, there's like jugglers and all sorts of things going on. And we can see the front row of the audience from where we sit. Yes. And uh, we're not playing at that bit, so we can look. And the audience is absolutely captivated. They are just looking at their like open mouth and just going, and I was thinking, wow, they must be, they're really into it. And, and you, you could forgive them for falling asleep, but they really don't. And, I know uh, that scene. And yeah. It's the most wonderful mm. scene. And then that production that we did at Glyndebourne mm -hmm. of Meister Singer, because it's, it's like a circus and everything's whirling round and the, the singers at the chorus are up high and they're dancing and it's, I mean, we can't see everything from the pit and I couldn't see this from the pit. The reason I know it, remember it, is because I actually went to the piano dress rehearsal before because I live near Glyndebourne and, and we so often feel that we don't know what's going on on the stage and we're not going to see it. And so on the rare occasions when I've been able to go in before the orchestra goes in, to do it at, at the opera house and watch it with the piano in the pit. It's actually amazing because then it's in your mind, it's in your head and you can remember it, you know. That's all, I always find that fascinating and have to keep reminding myself that the orchestra doesn't always know what's happening. Mostly upstairs. they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue, they know the music. It's so yeah. sad in a way. It is, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I've had people come often to the opera and in the interval say to me, oh, that fantastic bit there. And I'm, I'm like, no which bit do you mean? Yeah. 
you know, because we can't see. Some conductors do it in the rehearsal process saying, oh, this is happening here. They say they, in the yeah. rehearsal process, will say that. But of course, in the middle of a performance, they're just trying to get the part right. There isn't the time. You just can't see it. I want to talk about your favourite moments. Have you got a favourite musical moment during... I'm going to allow you to have the whole ring for the moment since you're so well prepped. A favourite moment during the ring cycle that you really, really love. Dave. No. <laughs> no, I don't. So I just look forward to the, always playing the next bit, really. Right. I don't... There, there isn't one thing that stands out. There's so so many banging tunes, as they say these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Classical yeah, bangers, as we say on the radio. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, Fiona, for you. Um, well, again, there are so many, but I think if I had to pick one, it would be like the second act in Tristan and the love music. And then when it comes back as the Liebestod right at the end is just most incredible. It's not a moment because it goes on for a while, but it's it's so wonderful. It's such a, a moment, a sort of feeling of ecstasy, you know, and there's nothing like it when everything gels together. It's just the most exciting thing, you know. I mean, there are other adrenaline-filled moments, which, you know, which are also great in a different way. Yeah. Um, like the Ride of the Valkyrie, of for instance, which is also very exciting to play when you, you've known it all your life and then suddenly you're in the middle of it, you know. There are so many. And Wagner, as you say, is so full of banging tunes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and Bridley, you've had the experience of playing different characters throughout yes. the ring. Yeah. Uh, even the dragon. Uh, yeah, you were down off the stage dragon. For... Yeah, down the dragon. Yeah, yeah. down the dragon. Yeah. Uh, have you got a favourite moment? And it's a moment I'm not actually, I've never sung because I don't sing Wotan. But the end of Die Valkyrie, Wotan's Farewell, is just sensational music. Mm. I cannot stop myself from feeling a little tear in my eye at that yes. point. I think it's extraordinary. It is transcendental. I'd like the one in Tristan, or there's some sections of Parsifal too that are just from another world. That's really yeah. perfect, given yeah. us some really lovely moments to, to latch onto. It's been an absolute joy speaking to you all about The Ring. Thank you. Thank you, Yolanda. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Brindley Sherratt, Fiona Hyam and Dave Whitehouse for joining me today to explore Wagner's epic ring cycle. And if you would like to send in any questions to be featured in this current series, please email offstage at lpo.org.uk. Whether you'd like some tips on stamina, which we've had today, great, uh, during extra long performances especially, or perhaps tackling an iconic solo, we'd love to hear from you that's offstage at lpo.org.uk or you can message us on social media at london philharmonic orchestra i'll see you next time